Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Good afternoon and welcome to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman, and it's great to be with you here this fabulous day. Although it is a sad time in the Jewish calendar, as you could hear, the music we're playing is more somber. It's not with musical instruments, as we are presently during the period of the three weeks. Mourning for the destruction of Jerusalem and our temples of old. But it's much deeper than that. It's not just mourning for the bricks and mortar of a building, but many other tragedies that befell our people so <clears throat> so many times over these past millennia. And we pray for better times for us and for all of humanity. Now, it's interesting, there was a fascinating debate described in the Talmud that happened some 1900 years ago after the destruction of the temple, just a few decades later. And I wanted to share with you a little bit, a glimpse, a taste of that particular debate because the Gemara recounts a tale And this tale is of a fascinating confrontation, a debacle debate that occurred between the wise men of Greece, of Athens, and one of Israel's great sages, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Hananiah. Now, Athens, of course, was known in the ancient world as the seat of wisdom and philosophy. Its sages saw themselves as the deepest and wisest thinkers of their time. And, of course, the Jewish people were highly regarded for our great scholars and sages. In fact, the Greeks truly admired Jewish philosophy and thought. The only part, the only problem challenge they had with it was our belief in a God and a deity that they felt doesn't exist. And that was pretty much their difference. Now, Rabbi Yeshua was a really wonderful, a great Talmud Chacham, a wonderful scholar, and he was a fearsome debater, a brilliant sage. So even though, as many great sages of his time, to earn his livelihood, he would sell charcoal. And not only that, he was a Levite who played music back in the Beis Hamikdash in the temple as the Levites would perform a daily concerto each morning in the temple. He was... One of the sages at that time and witnessed personally experienced the destruction of the temple and the devastation that accompanied it. And in those following decades, which in truth was one of the worst periods in all of Jewish history, Rabbi Yeshua served as a very prominent spokesperson for Judaism, for the Jewish people. And so when the Roman Caesar demanded to test who was wiser or perhaps just for enlightenment and fun and having this debate between the Athenian scholar, the Greeks and the Jews, Rabbi Yeshua was the one chosen to represent the Torah of Israel. And the Gemara describes the Athenian Greek scholars challenged Rabbi Yeshua in this battle of wits. And the Talmud records this back and forth the debate between these sages, and it took the form of cryptic messages and riddles. The Athenian scholars, they would throw a challenge in front of Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Yeshua would come back with an answer each time. And usually it was the form 
of a counter question. We all know how a Jew always answers questions with a question. And if you're wondering why, well, I'll answer you, why not? Right? And I want to share with you a little bit of that exchange as it's recorded in the Gemara in Masech de Brachas on Dafches Samad Beis. The Gemara describes there the sages of Athens asked, if a chick dies while in the egg, before the egg is hatched, and is sealed from all sides, where does its soul escape? And Rabbi Yeshua's response, he says, the, skull, the soul escapes through the same place it entered, into the sealed egg. They asked him, when salt gets spoiled, what do we use to preserve it? And his response, we use the afterbirth of a mule. And of course, they retort, do mules have an afterbirth? And his response, you know, mules obviously don't give birth, so does salt spoil? And you could see, you could hear the cryptic messages going back and forth. And I, I want to focus on one particular message, or one particular debate that they had. Here, the Gemara continues and describes, they asked him, how do you harvest a field of knives? Rabbi Yeshua's response was, you use a donkey's horn. So they ask, but donkeys do not have horns. And Rabbi Yeshua responds, of course, and knives do not grow in a field. Each one of these exchanges that they had, and there were many of them, they each beg for an explanation. What is going on? What do these bizarre questions really mean? What lies behind the sharp answers by Rabbi Yeshua? What wisdom was he displaying? And with this final little debate, I'd like to perhaps explore this period of time that we find ourselves in, the three weeks. The Gemara mentions that the Greek scholars showed Rabbi Yeshua two eggs. And they asked him, which of these eggs came from a white hen and which one from a black hen? And Rabbi Yeshua responds, he says, He takes out instead, in response, two pieces of cheese. He said to the Greek scholars, Hey, which one of these cheeses comes from the milk of a black goat? The hey, which one comes from the milk of a white goat? Now, this response silenced the Athenians. They were defeated. He asked, they asked him, which one, which egg comes from the white chick? And which comes from the black hen? And his response was taking out pieces of cheese and saying, which comes from the white goat and which comes from the black goat? But my question is why? What were they asking? How were they answered? They came with eggs. He responds with cheese. What's going on here? Is everybody showing off their lunch? Something peculiar. Now there's various Talmudic commentaries and all agree that the conversations between Rabbi Yeshua and the Greeks was not literal. They weren't necessarily talking about knives growing in fields. And in this case, they weren't talking about eggs and cheese as in lunch. But rather, they were discussing something much deeper. They were discussing God's role in the universe, human destiny, the meaning of existence. These are the kind of theological questions they were debating 
in this riddle kind of form. And they were speaking in symbolic terms, which wise people tend to do. And their words aren't to be taken literally, but this wasn't just a discussion about eggs and cheese per se. So what were they talking about? Now, there's various commentaries, depending on our time constraints. I'd like to share some of them with you. According to the Maharal of Prague, he spoke about the Athenians, the Greeks were attempting to question the impact of the glorious Jewish past on the present day today. And the question was, do Jews carry, do we Jews today? Well, then talking about that period after the destruction of the temple, do Jews carry within themselves the majesty and depth of their past? Remember the great former prophets and the spiritual giants who all existed before. And the Athenians suggested that because an egg is the child of a chicken, it should presumably inherit some of its mother's traits. And so the Maharal of Prague goes on to describe the various elements of the chicken and the egg and just describing how does the apple fall far from the tree? Do we possess the same glory, magnificence, greatness as our predecessors did? They take it a step further. The Maharsha interprets this in an interesting and profoundly moving original way. He says the Greeks were communicating in a very sophisticated way, which is something that they wanted to express one of the key ideas in Greek philosophy. And they were making a prediction in this discussion. They were warning of the extinction of the Jewish people. They say, you guys were so great before. For 830 years, you had a magnificent, a magnificent glorious temple standing in Jerusalem. Yet, that temple after 410 years, was first destroyed. And then 70 years later, rebuilt. Second temple lasting 420 years. But that's all. The era of that great Jewish time, they were saying, it's over. And the metaphor they used to describe this was the egg. They said it takes 21 days for a hen for the egg of the hen to hatch. So for three weeks, the mother hen is sitting on her egg, keeping it warm. That's unless you want scrambled eggs. And then the chicks hatch from the eggs and nothing remains but the outer shell. So the point they were trying to articulate was that the lifespan of an egg, which is 21 days, three weeks, and this, they were saying, is a metaphor for two eggs that they were describing, which are two periods of three weeks on the Jewish calendar. Firstly, there's the 21 days, these three weeks that we find ourselves in from the 17th of Tammuz to Tisha B'Av, the 9th of Av. It's three weeks of mourning for the destruction of the temple. It's a period that is very sad when we commemorate tragedies and terrible events that happened in Jewish history. 
and there's another three-week period. Those three weeks perhaps could be described as the dark, gloomy time. And the other three weeks that we're referring to is the three weeks from Rosh Hashanah all the way through to the end of Sukkot. It's a three-week period. And those three weeks is a period of celebration on the Jewish calendar. And what they were intimating is that the three weeks of joy and celebration and the three weeks of mourning are equal. There's no difference between them. The joy is neutralized by the mourning. And their argument was a theological one, actually. They were saying darkness is akin to light. Despair is just as powerful as hope. The gloom is equal to happiness. The world is essentially a random, hopeless, meaningless arena where fortune and misfortune share an equal chance of victory. Evil is as powerful and potent as good. Your times of light don't get one day more than your time of darkness. Everything is random. And so the Greeks were demonstrating this with the eggs, trying to say there's no hope for Israel. Maybe in the past you could say, ooh, you had good times when your temple stood. But now they're telling us that those times are over. And in a sense you could think maybe they had a point. From the looks of things, the grand majestic history of the Jewish people was coming to an end. Our temple was destroyed. Jews were dispersed in different parts of the world as slaves and taken chains to various countries, exiled Israel was conquered by foreign invaders. In fact, as we discussed in previous weeks, Jews were forbidden from entering Jerusalem for decades, for many years. And our temple was reduced to a disgraced pile of rubble. You think about how many people were massacred, and any observer would predict that the end was near. The future of the Jews was hopeless. Now Rome's time was to shine. The era of the white hen, 21 days when God finds favor with the Jewish people, is just as equal to the dark days. The sun set on Israel. The darkness was descending all too fast. And this, to the Athenian Greek scholars, was an indication of the end of glorious Israel. We'll be back in a moment and discuss Rabbi Yeshua's response. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 IFM. And welcome back. I'm Rabbi Ari Kiebman. Great being with you this afternoon and talking here about this peculiar debate going on between the Greek scholars and the great Rabbi Yeshua, the Jewish, wonderful, brilliant scholar, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya. And it's an interesting debate going on. You see, the Greeks were showing the two eggs, one from a white hen, one from a black hen, and showing Rabbi Yeshua how they're completely indistinguishable. Yet Rabbi Yeshua's response was taking out two pieces of cheese and asking them if they could tell the difference, which one came from the dark goat and which came from the white goat. Rabbi Yeshua was telling these Greeks that they were dead wrong. And indeed, They are dead wrong. Today you can find 
those great Greek scholars. I think you could find Aristotle in some books in the encyclopedia, and you could find many of the others on Google. But Israel, we're still around. And that was what Rabbi Yeshua was showing them and demonstrating to them exactly why. And he did this by taking out two pieces of cheese, one from the white goat, one from the black goat. And obviously, you cannot tell the difference between the pieces of cheese, just like you couldn't tell the difference between the eggs. And with this, he was teaching them something that their Greek wisdom couldn't exactly fathom. If you examine both eggs, from whether it came from the white hen or the black hen, both eggs were white. Even the egg coming from the black hen was white. And this is the message of the Jewish people, a message of hope after the terrible tragedies, of rebirth even after terrible destruction. And so Rabbi Yeshua <coughs> excuse me, was demonstrating this to them with the pieces of cheese because he wanted to show them that both pieces of cheese were sparkling white, even the one from the black goat. And why was that? You see, Rabbi Yeshua was responding with two goats. You know, on Yom Kippur, on the holiest day of the Jewish year, in the times of the temple that both the Athenian scholars remembered, as well as Rabbi Yeshua, that back in the days of the temple, on Yom Kippur, there were two goats brought forth in the temple. One was brought as a carbon, as an offering to God, and its blood was sprinkled in the Kodesh HaKadashim, in the Holy of Holies, and on the sacred altar, on the Mizbeach. The other goat was cast off in a desert, a symbolic casting away of negative energy and sin. That goat, you guessed right, it was the goat called Azazel. Now, Azazel is actually a mountain that you can visit in Israel still today. And, you know, everyone knows the famous term scapegoat is actually taken from this Azazel because the scapegoat was this goat that was sent off the cliff in representing casting away our sins, the darker side of our relationship with God. And it symbolized the fact that humans have the capacity to, to, to betray God, to betray our loved ones, to betray our soul. And so metaphorically speaking, one goat is white and the other goat is dark. One represents our whiteness, our ability to enter the Holy of Holies as the one that was offered as a sacrifice. And the other goat embodied the darker side of our personality, which sometimes leads one into the abyss as exactly that goat was sent off the Azazel mountain. And yet, white cheese comes from both goats. Both the white goat, the one that represents our holiness, our good side, and the dark goat that symbolizes our negativity, both goats produce white cheese. And this is something that a very important message Rabbi Yeshua was trying to 
portray, to convey to the Greek scholars. Now, you know, in the Mahsar, in our holiday prayers, which is nine weeks away, one of the prayers we talk about, quoting from the book of Isaiah, we say, Hashem shall make our sins white as snow and wool. And we quote the verse that says, Come, let us reason together, says Hashem. Even if your sins are like scarlet, they'll become white as snow. Even if they'll be red as crimson, they'll become white as wool. This whole interesting color scheme of red and white, we're not talking here about opposite colors. We're not talking about white and black. Red and white. If your sin will be like scarlet, red. Hashem says, I'll forgive you, and it will become white like snow. What's the reason? My grandfather was a Belzer Chassid. So I want to share with you a fascinating insight from the great Hasidic master, Reb Arla of Belz, who passed away in 1957. And he describes... How we know when a person is ashamed, we blush, we become red in our face. He says, this is what the Torah is telling us. If your sins will be like scarlet, they'll become white like snow. Sin, as the Belzareb explained, is part of the human condition. It's something that's inevitable. It's something that we, we do. Not that we're proud of it. We make mistakes. We stumble. We fail. We hurt ourselves. We sometimes hurt others along the way. And that in itself, he says is not the greatest problem. As long as we blush, as long as we sense how we have betrayed our inner goodness, our holiness, our true pristine selves, then there's hope that we'll make amends and change our behavior as we say in the Mahsar, will be white like snow, representing that purity and cleansing. And so, this is one of the great ideas the Talmud relates that they would tie a scarlet red string to the horn of the goat. And when it was brought to the mountain, something miraculous happened. The string was transformed to white. And that, of course, represents the cleansing of all our sins. This is what the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah says. And so here Rabbi Yeshua was trying to teach the Greeks one of the great Jewish ideas, that the black goat produced white milk and cheese, and the black hen produced a white egg. Just as the cheese from the black goat is as white as the cheese from the white goats, and you cannot distinguish between the two. So Rabbi Yeshua was telling them that the pain and suffering of our people, the destruction of the temple, these terrible three weeks of darkness, it's not random. It's not meaningless. It's not purposeless. It wasn't a demonstration that evil is as potent as good and that the sun is set on our people. No way. Chas v'shalom, heaven forbid. He says beneath the pain, there is still a streak of whiteness. At the core of the black hole, there's infinite light. Even the black goats of life are there to produce white cheese. Even the hardships we face are there to help us get to where we need to be. And in fact, 
We grow from our difficulties and they make us even stronger. And perhaps we'll spend a few minutes just talking about the strength we gain from our failures. Because failure is not getting knocked down. Failure is when we stay down. But we Jews don't stay down. We get knocked down and we get back up again. And we'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 IFM. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Ari Kivan. And we'll be wrapping up here with our cheese and egg sandwich as we've been talking about today. I want you to think for a moment and think about challenges, the difficulties you may have had in your life. And just to think if you've come out of those situations as a stronger, better individual. And of course, we don't ask for these challenges and we beseech God for only good, revealed good in our lives. But if difficulties and hardships do come our way, then we have to see them not as a demonstration that evil is potent. But rather, we have to see them as forces containing hidden light. And our job is to actualize that light. You know, our sages tell us when it comes to calculating who's considered rich, we don't need to check our bank accounts and our stock portfolios. But as everyone knows, we say in Perki Avot, ethics of our fathers, Ezehu Ashir, who is considered wealthy? It's Hasomech Bechelko. It's the person who is content, who is happy with his lot. And this is the idea, I think, that the white cheese that sometimes comes from the black goat and the white egg that comes from the black hen. Because as you all know, whatever difficulties that we have in our lives, God forbid illness that brings a person to a deeper perspective in life or some relationships that experience a breakdown and it allows us to find true love, humility, God forbid, a passing of a loved one that gives us a new appreciation of our short time in this world and the spirituality of life. And this is what Rabbi Yeshua was trying to teach. What Judaism represents, that there are two forms of light. Light that appears as light, and then there's light that appears as darkness. The good times are good, and the tough times are there for us to make them good. Problems we must see them as opportunities with thorns. And that, I think, is the greatest message we could learn during these three weeks. Perhaps during these cold winter mornings, maybe before shul, or maybe if you're able to stick in a few minutes after shul, or maybe in the evening after work, you get a chance <coughs> to go to the gym and to exercise a bit. When you exercise and you lift weights, what happens to your muscles? Ooh, they start looking good, inflating, yeah. But how does that happen? What's the mechanism? When we lift heavy weights, our tissue tears from the pressure. Now, when the body regenerates itself and heals the torn tissue, it recreates much stronger tissue to be able to withstand even the heavier weights. And so the torn tissue then is simply just a catalyst for recreating much stronger tissue. Henny Youngman said, you know why Jews don't drink? Because it interferes with their suffering. I'd like to say to any, you know, he was wrong on two counts. Firstly, many Jews do drink. If he thinks that we don't drink, let him just walk into any one of our many shuls here in Johannesburg. And secondly, the truth is, we don't like pain. We would rather not have to go through the tough times. 
We're not seeking out suffering, even if it's going to make us stronger. We would rather learn the lessons and gain the inspiration we need through pleasant and more comfortable means, not through pain and suffering and difficulties. It would be wonderful if all eggs could be born from white hens, metaphorically speaking. But the reality of life is that we all have our share of difficulties, our challenges, our trials and tribulations. And as long as that's the case, the Jewish response to life's challenges is that we have to make them, use them as a catalyst for positive change in our lives. And so I'd like to conclude that it's during this time of the year, during these three weeks of mourning for the destruction of our temple, that we focus on this very powerful, beautiful idea, this debate of Rabbi Yeshua and the Greek scholars. Destruction is a step toward rebuilding, and failure is a chance to regroup and to get our strength back. We all go through dark, difficult times. We all get knocked down. We all fall. But like I said, failure is not falling down. Failure is when we stay down. As Jews, we know that we must get back up. We have to shake off the dust. We have to keep on moving. Keep on laying your eggs. Keep on producing your cheese. So these three weeks are like that black hole in modern physics, which is filled with endless light, but doesn't allow it to escape its pull. Now think about that. Our job is to penetrate the dark hole and reveal its inner light, the light of Mashiach that lies ahead. And perhaps that's why the Gemara says that, you know when Mashiach was born? On Tisha B'Av. The very day, the darkest day in our history is a catalyst for rebirth, for rejuvenation, for growth. And so, if in your own personal life, you've experienced some darkness, you got knocked down, well, guess what? Remember that song from the 90s? I get knocked down, but I get up again. That's the theme that we've got to try to live by. That is the song that's got to give us that inspiration that even when we get knocked down, even when we go through those difficult, tough times that we'd rather not face, learn the lessons and pick up from there and see the better and brighter future that lies ahead. That's it, my friends. It's a matter of perspective. Have that perspective and everything will be bright and great. Stay tuned next for Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishler. And it's great being with you here this afternoon. I wish you all a pleasant, meaningful, and purposeful Shabbos. Carpe diem. Just seize every moment you got. Suck the marrow out of life. Make the best of every second we have.